a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Our next guests are celebrating the 30th anniversary of their debut record, New Miserable Experience. Also going to be having an honorary street sign going up in their hometown. You catch them at the Budweiser stage in Toronto on July 21st alongside the Bare Naked Lead is currently on tour. Uh, welcome to the show. The one, the only, Robin Wilson from The Gin Blossoms. How you doing? Hello, gentlemen. Nice to see you. You as yes, well. Bonjour. Bonjour, as we say in this part of the world up in Canada. Um, oh, I just want to start cool. really quickly. You got it. You got the Stones tattoo on your arm. Big Stones fan? Oh, yes. I have a, I, I have a, tat- a Stones tattoo. It's the lyrics, um, uh, War Children, It's Just a Shot Away. Nice. Oh. Is there a kiss tattoo on that arm somewhere too? No, I don't have a kiss tattoo. I have, let's see, I've got uh, Tom Petty, David Bowie, uh, Cheap Trick. Queen. Oh, hey, nice. Cheap there Trick, you, Cheap Trick, you need that is essential. And I'm rocking the shirt yes. today, so there you oh, go. Oh, you got the Cheap Trick shirt. Yeah, Where do I, I got? I got, I got, I got Lou Graham and Foreigner. Oh well, <laughs> but. All right. Hey, just real quick, since since we're talking about Kiss tattoos, you did, of course, cover a song for the uh, Kiss My Ass tribute in 94. Was that something that you were just asked to do because the band was hot, hip, and happening at the time? Or were you a Kiss fan and just went, dude, I got to get in on this? Well, they asked us, uh, most most likely because, yeah, they were looking for bands that were on the charts at the time, but... Uh, I was always a huge Kiss fan. The first concert I ever saw was Cheap Trick open for Kiss on the Love Gun tour in 1977. And it was, uh, I, I literally dreamed about being in Kiss. And then eventually I actually got to, uh, to work with them on the tribute record. And I got yeah. the front, uh, I got the front Kiss on Letterman. And, uh, that was oh, that's one right. of the big big highlights of my career you know being able to uh, literally fulfill that childhood dream of of singing for kiss and uh, to be able to do it on letterman was very special very cool and there's you can find it on youtube if yep. you just look for kiss jim blossoms and it's it's incredibly cool it's a great moment here and 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 i'll get off the kiss thing just real quick but but how life-changing was that concert because i saw kiss as my first show in 79 and that's when yeah. i just went Oh yeah, I want to be in this world. I want, yeah. I want to be in this. Was that sort of your experience? Where you just went, oh, that's larger than life. I need to be a rock star. Well, I had already formulated that fantasy and that okay. dream before before the Kiss concert. But mm. um, it was uh, when I was in the third grade. I saw Queen perform uh, the video for Bohemian Rhapsody on the Midnight Special. Wow. And that was the moment that I decided I really wanted to be a, a rock singer. And then uh, it was a few years later, Kiss was my favorite band. And they were coming to town on the Love Gun tour. And, you know, me and my brother and my best friend, we all got tickets. And it was uh, it was a great way to uh, to start my concert going career. And it was actually the very first day of junior high. So it was very eventful and uh, you know, sort of a, a marquee moment for me. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, between seeing Freddie Mercury and Kiss, that that's sort of 
captures the the spirit and the uh, the moment and stuff. Oh, let me get on to Allison Road, this new street that's being named for you in Tempe. The the story of the song was that you brought it to the band, and every time you brought a song to the band, they sort of went, eh, stop writing for us. We, we don't want to hear your stuff. And then they finally went, oh, we kind of like this one. So, first of all, is that story, is that myth true? Rel- relatively true. It was difficult. When I when I joined Gin Blossoms, they had already been playing out for a few months. Right. And I had to replace a guy. And so I was the new guy. And I was competing with Doug Hopkins and Jesse Valenzuela, who were excellent and accomplished songwriters. And of course. I, was, I had never been in a band before, so uh, they were skeptical. And, uh, you know, you, there's always a bit of competition among songwriters in a band. And so I really had to raise my game as a songwriter in order to uh to compete with those guys and just Mm -hmm. being just being a part of the band uh their their talent began to rub off on me you know i I suppose if you're a football player and you get to uh catch passes from tom brady you're gonna it's gonna elevate your game right uh when when you work with people that are uh that are better than you and so i was able to raise my game and i had a moment of uh, inspiration came up with that song and it 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 was undeniable to my bandmates that this was a solid tune that we needed to do and uh, it went on to become a a hit single and uh, a significant part of our catalog so you know i i earned my stripes in with with that song yeah, totally. you did. And, and, and when Tempe, Arizona reaches out and says, we're going to use it as the name of a street after the sort of the story that that goes with it, did, do you get like a little extra little sort of kick going? Hey, boys, Jesse, where's your where's the street named after your song? I'm sorry. Where, where's the, I don't see that. I mean, come on. That, I, 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 you chuckle. That come on. hasn't come up. Of course. Yeah, of, of course. I'm I'm very proud that uh one of the songs that i wrote is that important in our catalog that uh, they're going to name a street after it and uh yes i'm i'm very proud and my bandmates are really proud for me and uh, i've received nothing but congratulations from my bandmates and it's it's their honor too it's not just about me it's something we did as a group and uh they all uh, have every right to feel as connected to this this honor as I do. So of course, of course, I'm just saying at the next band yeah. meeting when Jesse speaks up, you're just going to say, "Hey, Alice Road, yeah, Alice Road." You know, I, I again, I am really proud. I might be the first songwriter in Arizona history to have a street named after one of their songs. So yeah. it's you know, I I look back on. Uh, you know, the origins of the band. And, you know, I think about when I was a teenager following the local music scene and, you know, some of the local bands were, were heroes of mine. And I, I wanted to be a part of the, of the music scene in my, my town. And it, it still just blows me away that of all the groups that we used to go see and play with somehow uh we're the biggest one we're the most successful it, it's mind-boggling to me and the fact that we've been able to keep the band together is a, is another point of pride because uh, it's a huge accomplishment 
to just have a band that that makes a mark on your local scene that in itself is an accomplishment then to get a recording contract that's another big deal but even if you get a recording contract there's no guarantees you're going to be commercially successful nope. and most most of our heroes were bands like the replacements and the smithereens and we never expected to uh, outsell groups like that we just thought we might be able to you know get a gig opening for those guys one day maybe we'll get on mtv maybe we can get a song on the radio but to survive all of that with a, a huge hit record multi-platinum grammy nominations and mm -hmm. and then still survive all of the touring and all of the infighting and everything to keep the band together and to you know to form a family with the band and to sustain our partnership is is an incredible accomplishment and i i've been we've been out on tour with toad the wet sprocket and bare naked ladies and i've had conversations with them about how how lucky we all are to be able to do this still and to be able to do it at this level so yeah, absolutely uh, very grateful totally yeah, I thought it was cool that Sprocket was on that Kiss tribute, so there, there needs to be a Kiss encore of these two bands at some point. Yeah, yeah. well, we we do an encore uh, every night at the end of the set. Bare Naked Ladies brings Glenn and I and some members of some other members of our groups out onto the stage, and we all perform the Traveling Wilburys uh, oh. song "Handle with Care." Nice. And Great so song. that's that is the finale of the show every night. It's a huge thrill to be able to take the stage with the headliner and uh, I get to be Roy Orbison. So I get the, I got the best part of the song. So, Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it's kind of cool song. that there's no egos on the tour that like the headliners like, no, it's a party. Everybody come out for the last song. And that's so true. And, and bare naked ladies, they're, they're uh, hugely popular and they're, they're uh, fantastic musicians, really fun guys. And we're having a, a fabulous tour. It's it really it just could not be any better. And uh, to Toad the Wet Sprocket are old friends of ours, so um, it's it's a great vibe. Everybody's having a blast. And uh, just yesterday, we we had a party. Um, we were invited to uh, Mark of Hootie and the Blowfish through a party for us at his house, and so uh, the whole the whole tour went out there to mark's house and we all had barbecue and went on a boat ride and uh it's just good vibes all around it just seems like it's a good hang it's kind of half the battle it, right yeah it's it is a, and uh, it's a canadian yeah, and I, tour it, well yeah that, I, that, that might be part of it you know there's certainly uh you know a graciousness uh to to bare naked ladies that uh i've rarely experienced from the from the headliners and uh, it's it just it really could not be any better and i love being around the tour i love i stay on the bus most of the time i don't leave the show i stay i watch toad the wet sprocket um i enjoy being around the cruise and when uh, you know when the show's over we're all hanging out in lawn chairs out by the buses you know playing guitars and listening to music and uh, smoking pot and we're just it's it's a really great time a really good vibe and uh i i wish it just could keep going but at this point we only have six more shows on the tour so it's, it's coming to a close but 
it's been a fabulous time and i hope we get to uh, to do this every summer for the rest of my life yeah well i, I hope that for you too uh, just real quick you you did the celebrating 30 years uh, miser- 30 miserable years tour where you played the album from from top to bottom uh, just quickly talk to me about that experience, because in terms of pacing of the show, in terms of how the lighting goes, in terms of how it, how it, it moves, you have sort of your, your hey jealousy right up at the front rather than in the encores. It's, what was that experience like? Was it, was it interesting? Was it difficult? Was it strange? What was that like for you? Well, it's, it's great doing, doing the album. It's a, it's a solid set. Uh, yeah. there, there's no stinkers on that record, so... Um, when, when we do the entire album, we have more than enough material, uh, to, you know, to flesh out the show right. and, uh, it's a good set. It's a lot of fun to do it. Um, we did, we had about 20 shows scheduled for that tour and our bass player, Bill, slipped on some ice and broke his arm about eight shows in so we've had to reschedule the rest of the tour for the fall and so we'll be going back out uh sometime in i think it's october uh i could be wrong about that but we'll be doing more new miserable experience shows uh in the fall and um you know, like I said, it's a great set. We start with a couple other tunes, then we get yeah. we do new miserable experience in its entirety, and then we uh, we finish it off with uh, you know some of the other hits. And so it's a it's a solid set. It's a lot of fun to do. And uh, you know, anytime I get to be on stage, I'm grateful. And to be able to do it uh, in those types of venues, mostly theaters, uh, it's uh, it's a it's a thrill. You know, and it's it's an honor that the record is a part of people's lives, and that it, we uh, that we had this great uh, great album that we accomplished all this commercial success. We built our career around it, yep. and so there's no there's no one in the band that has any resentment about having to do the whole album or uh, or anything like that. Uh, we did it a, a few years ago. We did the 25th anniversary tour for New Miserable Experience, and that was fabulous. And then the pandemic came, and as soon as we started doing shows again, the first thing that came up was, well, let's do 30th anniversary. And this wasn't the band. uh, This was like our agent and our management saying, you sell a lot of tickets when you do this anniversary show, so let's do it again. And uh, we're, we're happy to do it. Was it difficult to go back and learn the entire record lyric wise or melody wise? Like, was it hard to remember everything? No, no, it's pretty easy. You know, most of most of the songs are are embedded uh, in my memory, so I didn't have any problem with the lyrics or anything. What's what's significant? The most significant thing is you know listening to the album again, sort of freshen up uh, your memory. It it just the entire experience of making the record comes flooding back and that was that was a really tumultuous time for us and it was a very difficult record to make and we almost didn't survive uh as a group we we didn't know if we were going to get dropped or if the album was even going to come out because we you know we lost our guitar player doug hopkins during the recording of the album and we had to finish the album without him and it was 
it was really painful and really difficult. And as I said, when we finished the album, we didn't know if we were still going to be a band. We didn't know if the label was going to drop us or if anybody would ever even hear it. And we knew we had recorded something that we felt was really good, at least, you know, based on our own music, we felt like we had nailed it. Yeah. But we didn't know if anybody else would ever hear it. And we certainly couldn't have predicted that it would be such a, a success and that in 30 years into the future, we would be like still celebrating it and uh, doing, you know, s still have a career because of that album. And, you know, getting street signs uh, named after our songs, yeah. you know, nobody. Uh, you can't after your it. song, after your song. <laughs> our it's our song. It's I know. Song. You know, I'm just kidding, right? I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, of, of, of course you are. And, and uh, yeah, of course, I, I do feel a special pride that, that, that it's my song. But it's only because the song is called Allison Road. You know, uh, they would have picked a different song, you know, they were, or they would have just called it Jim Blossom's Street or whatever. Right. But we just, we just happened to have a hit song from that album called Allison Road. And so they wanted to name the street Allison Road. And I'm like, no, you have to name it Allison Road Avenue. Because if you just name it the street Allison Road, they're going to think it's a street named after somebody named Allison. Yeah. Um, and it, in order for it to be named after the song, you're going to have to call it Allison Road Avenue. And I, I just think that's so funny. Well, I thought it was really interesting because the portion of the street that they're renaming is 8th Street. And that's where your recording studio was for 20 years. Was that like, did you, you own the recording studio? Like, what's that? Yeah, I, I, the, originally Jim Blossoms uh, built the place as a rehearsal room and demo room. And then I took it over uh and ran it as a commercial studio, rebuilt it, and I oh, wow. uh, ran it as a commercial studio for 20 years. And uh, the coolest thing I just found out a few nights ago, I had, I had a deal with one of the local radio stations, and they would bring bands into the studio. Touring bands would come and do a concert. And the, the radio session station, for, like, the radio? Exactly. And they would bring in, like, 30 guests. They would give away tickets on, on the air. And so we had a lot of amazing groups come through the studio. People like uh, Social Distortion, Fun, Phoenix was there the day after they won a Grammy. We wow. had Foster the People. Uh, and, uh, and just the other day, hanging out by the buses after the gig, just listening to music with the crew, one of Bare Naked Ladies crew members who's been with them forever said oh yeah i remember being in your studio and i'm like what was that and he's like yeah we did a we did a concert in your studio like 10 years ago and i was like are you are you kidding i'm just hearing about this now <laughs> and, and we've been on we've been on tour for seven weeks and uh no one in the band is even none of them in the band even remembered that or were even aware that it was my studio that they yeah. were performing in but the the crew remembers it because they were they were impressed that that's where they were and so i just dug this bit there's a video of bare naked ladies doing uh one week uh in my studio you know with my microphones and stuff and uh, i'm just like that that is really cool and so i i sent it to all of them i texted them the other night and i'm like can you believe that you did this in my studio and i'm so proud <laughs> that's awesome Was you know, studio if, if i had a million dollars i'd go to a studio that's what I mean. <laughs> there you go. Was the studio analog or digital though? Were we running two inch or Pro Tools? I I did both. 
I had both. Um, yeah, I had yeah. both. It was it was a it was a good setup. You know, it wasn't a huge place, but I had a nice sized live room. But the control room was really cramped, mm. and I'm I was surrounded on all sides by the biggest brewery in in Arizona, Four Peaks Brewery, and they. We, I built the studio and they opened the brewery right around the same time. And then the brewery just kept growing and growing and growing. And it, it became so hugely successful. And the studio was just sort of surrounded on all sides uh, by the brewery. And so when I closed it down in 2015, the brewery took over my space and they rebuilt it as a, as a bar, mm. uh, which they now call the studio bar. Nice. And uh, I left my gold records there, and I signed signed my gold albums uh, to the over to the brewery. And they in in my bathroom at the studio, I would have all the artists that recorded there autograph the walls. Mm. And so the the walls of my bathroom on four sides were completely covered in signatures, and it's a, a real document of the Arizona music scene for twenty yeah. years. And they still they they promised me that they would never paint over uh that that portion uh it's just a storage room now but whenever i go to the brewery i always want to go in uh to what used to be my bathroom and just kind of look yeah. over the signatures and and relive all the all the great times and the great music that was made there well it really is sort of you know it's like it's i don't want to say a memorial but it's it's you know it's like an, it's a tribute to all the great people that went through yeah. those doors really Yes, indeed. And we, you know, pretty much every important band in Arizona uh, recorded there at some point. And, uh, you know, we had guests come and rehearse with us. People like uh, Stevie Nicks was there. Uh, the, the format uh, were in the studio for a while. And then we had all those other artists doing those uh, radio concerts. So uh, it's a pretty storied musical space. And wow. now it's a pretty now it's a pretty cool bar. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hey, everybody wins. Um, let me just ask you this real quick. The, the last yeah. time I interviewed the Gin Blossoms was for the new album, Mixed Reality. So going back, I guess, four years now. Um, is that something that's still of interest to the band to make new music and to, and to have something come out in 2023, 2024? Or do you sort of just say, you know what? We sell a lot of tickets with this new Miserable Experience album tour. Maybe we should just go do that and not worry about making new music. Well, no, we we are we're interested in making new music. Okay. It's not it's not a, a, as huge a priority as it is at the beginning of your career. Of course, we don't really we don't really sell a lot of records anymore. But it's important as as musicians. It's it's a part of what we do, and I think we would feel somewhat empty if if we never made a, another record. So. Um, yeah. I've already proposed to the band that we need to start uh, planning and set a date so we can get something uh, reported, hopefully by next summer. Okay. And uh, and also in the b before then, I'm hoping to be making a record with the Smithereens as well. So I'm gonna have wow. to I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start writing pretty soon. I I usually don't write a lot of songs unless I'm under the gun. I'm under the pressure of knowing that we're about to make a record. So. Uh, once we set a date, uh, something in my brain sort of clicks, mm -hmm. and I start applying more and more of my energy towards towards writing. 
Is that the and, process? Uh, do you sit there with a notepad or like, or do you have to plan out sitting there and writing or does it just come to you and you're like, I have to write this down? Well, the, the best ideas just happen. And so I do keep a notebook and I write down any lyric ideas that I have. And if I, if I think of a, a melody, I'll sing it into my phone. And so I have, a couple of different places I can draw from when when it when it comes time to actually sit down and start crafting a song together. I've got those resources that I can go to and uh, dig up an old melody, and, or if I've got a melody and I haven't come up with the lyric yet, I'll go through my list of lyrical ideas and see if something falls into place. Mm. And. Uh, from there, I just sort of work backwards. You know, I usually come up with the title of the song first, and then I have to figure out what the song is about. And right. usually, from the title, it's implied to me. I sort of already kind of know what the song is going to be about when I when I come up with the with the title. And then uh, there's other times where I just come up with the lyric, and I don't. I don't know that it's a song title. I just think it's a lyric, yeah. and I, I find a place uh, for that. So, it's interesting. Desmond Child told us the same thing. I mean, you know, you give love a bad name, or uh, I was made for loving you. It started with the title, and they wrote around it. So it seems to be yeah. the the trend for a lot of hits. Well, just, yeah, it, it's a it's a completely valid way to, uh, to to you know to craft songs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just real quick, you mentioned the smithereens. You, you of course, have, have sung for or, or uh, subbed in for Pat uh, Denizio, Denizio, if I said that correctly, who passed away. Uh, so are you making a whole new record with the smithereens where you'll be the lead singer or what capacity are you working with them? Yeah, we'll, we'll be writing songs together and yeah, oh, wow. I'll, be singing, I'll be singing lead on most of the record. Wow. They also have, uh, they have Marshall Crenshaw. Okay. Another one of my heroes, and Marshall uh, is uh, performing with the Smithereens more than I am because I'm I'm generally pretty busy with Jim Blossom. So Marshall does most of the gigs, and then I do some of them. And wow. so, um, as far as the record goes, I think you're going to probably have both Marshall and I uh, c contributing songwriting and and lead vocals on the album. Oh, but exciting, I just yeah. found out I'm I'm super excited about this. I just found out that I'm going to be fronting the Smithereens on the '80s cruise next uh, next March. Nice, and I'm so psyched! It's going to be so cool. The, the other the, the other acts on the on the bill are uh, like Devo, the Church, Howard Jones. Wow, the Church! That's a name I haven't heard in 20 years. Oh like, yeah, oh. one of one of my favorites, and actually, the Church is one of the touchstones of of the formation of Jim Blossoms. They were a huge inspiration to us. Really? And, uh, not only to me, but also to Doug Hopkins, quite significantly. I always thought that Doug's songwriting reminded me a lot of the church. Mm. And a song like Found Out About You, for example, I, I feel like that is a direct response to the church of uh, The Unguarded Moment, one of their great songs. And I feel like mm. Found Out About You is, is Doug's version of that. In the in the same way that uh, Allison Road is my version of uh, the Waiting by Tom Petty, uh, you know I feel like found out about you was was inspired directly by the church, and so I'll be very excited to uh, to see them in particular 
but also on the bill is uh, Morris Day and the Time. And we played Jungle Love. Let's go. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) we we played with them once before, and I I was so blown away by the show. It was so much fun, and I remember thinking, if I ever have like fifty thousand dollars to hire a band for a party, I'm going to hire Morris Day and the Time. This this is so much fun, and so. it, it, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to be on the 80s cruise with uh, with the smithereens so uh, there's a website somewhere if you just look uh, yeah, for yeah. the listeners uh look for the 80s cruise it's in uh it's march 3rd i believe nice uh, ah. next year and as of now they still have it, the, the smithereens it's listed as uh, being with marshall crenshaw but uh apparently marshall didn't want to do the cruise and so i'm happy to i'm happy to swim in his wake and uh, pick up the slack on that one. <laughs> right. I just want to see the front man of the gin blossom going, oh, wee, oh, wee, oh, and doing the dance of Morris Day. Like, that's Morris awesome. Day, yeah. That'd be great. That will, that will not be a problem. I will be right there for that set. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, uh, a final question from me for today, just in terms of new music. When you're constructing new music for the gin blossoms, is it about moving it forward? Or do you sort of sit there and go, okay, you know, what did we do on New Miserable Experience and how can we do that? Are you trying to recapture what you've done before? Or are you trying to just move it forward and just say, hey, listen, this is Gin Blossoms 2023. Don't expect a, a you know, a, a, a retro album or whatever. I, I don't think that we really consciously think about it in, in those right. kinds of terms. We just do what comes naturally to us. And there's a, there's a process when you show a song to the band, you get a certain level of enthusiastic response. And, you know, some songs make it onto the record and some songs don't. And we, we tend to just play what feels good to us with, without overthinking it. And, you know, we are, we are children of our inspirations. You know, the, 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 the artists that inspired us, it's, it's all in there. When I, when I write a song, I can hear, sometimes I hear elements of REM and I think, oh yeah, okay, that's, that's kind of where I got that. Or the Cars or uh, Boston or Cheap Trick, you know, it's, it's all in there. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't consciously decide that we're going to make a certain type of record. We just do what comes naturally to us. Gotcha. And, and on, like, on the last record, Mixed Reality, I felt particularly connected to our early recordings when I was writing uh, my songs for that album. I, I felt like I was delivering songs that we would have really liked to play back in 1990. And that if these were songs that I was introducing to the band uh, back then, that they were songs that could have possibly ended up on New Miserable Experience. So for me, on the last album, I, I felt like I delivered music that was very true to our origins and something that we would have uh, wanted to play back then. Right, right. But I didn't do that. Like I said, I didn't, do, I didn't go into the songwriting process thinking that's what I got to do. It just happened organically. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so I guess organically is, organically is the best way to go about it, right? If it feels natural, just do it. Like, who cares? Yeah, what it sounds it, like, you know? yeah. We're, nobody's nobody's in the band sitting around thinking, okay, I got to write a pop song, or I got to write a metal song, or I want to write something that sounds like 
this. Again, we just we just do what comes naturally to us. Right. Yeah, well, there you go. Great well, pleasure today, Robin. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been nice chatting with you guys. It's, it's a great tour, and uh, I'm I'm really lucky to be out here. I'm looking forward to the show tonight here in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, I've got to go find my iPad. I left it in the van last night on the way home from the party. <laughs> and uh, then I then it's time for me to lay down for a little while, take a nap, and get up. And then I go to dinner and got a got Rock a meet out. and greet. And it's time for the show. And uh, it's a it's a great routine, and um, I'm really loving it. And uh, really grateful that I could be here doing it. So. Yeah, absolutely, and having fun while doing it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. a lot of fun. All right. Thank Thanks you, a lot, Robin. It's great to have you. You're, back. You're welcome back hey. anytime. Thank you very much, gents. Have a good day. Peace you and love, now. everybody. Rock away. An all-new episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews. Bonus content. And episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.